Welcome to Mindfully Well, your place to get the tools and tips you need to connect to a deeper sense of wellness, naturally and simply. This podcast is for change-seeking women who are curiously devoted to their health and ultimately having a positive impact on the world around them. I'll be diving into everything that can help us live mindfully well, one episode at a time. I'm your host, Haley. Episode 3. I'd like to start by reading you all something that I wrote probably a few years ago now. It's probably been two years since I wrote this. Moving, freeing, being. You can call it yoga. You can call it dance. You can call it whatever you want, as long as you let go of what it should look like. Let go of expectations and trust your natural way of moving. Feel your physical body exactly where you are right now. Trust yourself. Get awkward. Get sexy. Get real. Get out of your head and into your body. And ultimately, that will lead you to the heart of it all. Today's episode is called To Yoga or Not to Yoga? And I've named it that because I've had an interesting journey with my love for yoga, my resistance to yoga, everything in between, really. It's been um, full of really high highs and really low lows. So while it might look like I am this yogi who does yoga all the time, but not everything that you see on the surface shows what's really going on deep down inside. So today I'm going to spend some time talking about my journey and hopefully help you along yours as well. About 10 years ago, I got really into joining gyms and going to spin classes and spending hours and hours on treadmills. How exciting! Um, And Stairmasters. And yeah, I wasn't enjoying myself to say the least. Thankfully, not soon after I got kind of into my physical fitness as an adult, I started really wanting something that made me feel good. So I was looking for a way to move my body and feel good, and I didn't know what that was besides going to the gym or going to a class that made me (laughs) miserable. Um, But in, I think it was 2013, I bought my first yoga mat and yoga DVDs. So I got online. I didn't use Amazon. I don't know what I used. I got on the internet, and I ordered yoga DVDs from, <laughs> from a website. I don't know. It wasn't Amazon, I don't think. It don't, I don't know when Amazon became a thing now that I think of it. But anyway, basically, online subscription classes and YouTube channels and Instagram yogis didn't exist. There were maybe, like, three yoga Instagrammers. Maybe. This was, like, not a thing. I mean, Instagram was pretty new. It's like, what, one or two years older. 
maybe he was two years old at the time. Anyway, yeah, so Instagram was pretty new. Instagram yoga culture did not exist, nor did all of the online content that exists now. So it was me in my parents' basement with my DVDs and my TJ Maxx yoga mat. So that was the humble beginnings of my yoga practice. I can't really remember what it was about yoga that pulled me in. I think it was just the sense of calmness coupled with strength and, you know, the idea of being flexible and strong and graceful, I think I was after as well, probably. Um, And I'd never done yoga, and I don't really think anyone in my life or, like, inner circle had done yoga. So it was pretty, it was a pretty new concept to me. The first yoga picture I ever posted, which is hilarious because... The fact that that's even a statement is funny because I was just talking about how the fact that yoga Instagrammers didn't exist. Um, I posted a photo to my Instagram. I'll try to pull it up and link to it in the show notes because it was edited with the terrible filters and who knows if it even had a caption, honestly. But um, the first picture I ever took was in December 2013 and it was a picture of like my legs and feet on my mat. And, like, there was a quote script written on my mat that said, Give thanks in all circumstances. This mat was not a good mat. I loved it, though. I loved it so much. I can't... I might... Hmm. I don't think I have it anymore. I think I got rid of it when I moved. But anyway, I held on to it for a long time because it was kind of, like, the physical representation of my beginnings with yoga. So I remember sitting on my mat and taking that picture before I practiced, wondering... What was I doing? What was going to come of this? Can I even do yoga? I have no idea. Um, My practice was a lot different then. The whole beginner's mindset is a really lovely thing to reflect on and try to recall because you're only a beginner once. So yeah, it was really beautiful for me. Um, I I would turn on my yoga DVD and guess my way through it. I wasn't flowy or pretty. And I didn't, I didn't know how to do any of it, but I just wanted to start, so I did. I remember I would, like, do a pose and then look up at the TV, and, like, I was mostly straining my, le- my neck trying to figure out what was going on. <laughs> so I probably didn't get much out of it for a long time. But, yeah, I didn't step foot into a studio or a class for a long time. Yoga was all mine, and I, I was selfishly keeping it all to myself. I just wasn't aware of it at the time. As time passed, I knew I wanted to practice more, but it wasn't, let's see, it wasn't until my first year in working in advertising that I got really caught up in what that meant for me and what I was supposed to be doing with my life, and I ultimately was sacrificing my health in exchange for climbing the ladder of success and trying to be this big hotshot in my career. So I hadn't learned how to balance my health and my career yet and thankfully those two things are combining now but it was really hard for me to maintain the two so this is where I kind of hit a block in the road and kept choosing my career over my well-being and I kind of knew I was doing it but I, I didn't know at the time like I have journals where I was writing my awareness around this but I didn't realize I knew what was going on until retrospect so that's always fun Um, sometime after probably the first year of me diving into yoga or dabbling into yoga, I attended some free power vinyasa classes in town. 
I went to a Bikram yoga class with my friend Amber, and it was terrifying. Like, I still have vivid memories of that class, and, oh, <laughs> not to speak ill on Bikram yoga at all, it's it's just really intense. So, not the style for me. And if you're not aware, there are a ton of different yoga styles. Like, so many that it's frustrating to me when someone comes up to me and says, my doctor told me I should do yoga. And I say, oh, really? What kind? And they're like, well, I don't know. Yoga. And I'm like, oh, good. Great. So yoga. No, there's a lot of different styles and different approaches to yoga. So maybe I'll dive into that a little bit here. Maybe not. It's a lot. Um, you can do Google searches, though, and do all of your own research. But yeah, so I continued to practice at home with my DVDs most of the time, and it was nice. I It felt right. I wasn't fully convinced that I needed to commit to any studio or any other place than home. And honestly, home felt safe and comforting. But looking back, this was honestly just a mixture of trying to save money because I was broke and not being ready to practice in front of others until I got better which is a really interesting thing that I discovered about myself later when I started practicing with other people. In 2015, I really started documenting my process and was taking pictures, you know, the whole Instagram scene was, it was like the early adopters phase, right? So there were people catching on to this whole sharing your Instagram journey type of thing, but it wasn't as insane as it is now. Um, so I started taking some pictures, I started creating time-lapse videos, and started tracking my progress. It was really just a way for me to see over time how I would progress without having to worry too much about doing it right or wrong, but it kind of turned into a, an obsessive content creation thing that I had to cut off for a while. I really wanted to complete my yoga teacher training, but financially at the time I knew I couldn't, and... Now, thinking about it, I definitely wasn't ready to do something like that, and I had no idea what that even entailed. I think I thought it meant, go do this thing and be a teacher. And from my experience, yoga teacher training is way, way more intense than that. It is like group therapy, personal therapy, crack you out of your shell and have a new birth. It's it's beautiful and painful and amazing. So anyway, I didn't sign up for teacher training, so I continued to roll out my mat and practice at home, um, sometimes for a few hours, sometimes for a few minutes. I was living alone for the first time in my life, and I was trying to find a way to be comfortable with the silence and all of the free space in my life. So yoga really helped me kind of ground into my physical space and also my heart and my mind. So I still didn't really know what I was doing, and that's the beauty of being a beginner, but something was happening. Like, this little seed had been planted inside of me, and it was trying to push through the dirt, like, almost ready to sprout. Eventually, I don't know the time frame, honestly, off the top of my head right now, but I got into a not-so-healthy relationship with a guy and friends who... We were all really into yoga, and there were some very advanced yogis in the group, and there were some newbies, and it was a good mixture of 
a lot of us to have fun and like play together, but it also did something to me. Um, I started comparing myself to my back then, what I thought were friends. And I had a really hard time with separating my worth from theirs. So that bad, unhealthy relationship ended. There was actually like a two-year fallout for me psychologically. It was a lot. Um, There are a lot of blog posts on my website if you want to read about any of my past experiences. I have since forgiven a lot of those people and feel really good about the whole experience. Little thing, the bad thing that happened because life happens and you know we can't change the past. So I I do still have some like real time expressions of that period of my life on my blog. If you want to read them, they're old, but they were heartfelt and they were what I was going through at the time. So you know those are there. I eventually got the guts and the money to enroll into the yoga teacher training that I had been looking at. I had only been to this yoga studio twice admittedly, which is funny looking back because everyone that I enrolled with, or most of the people that I enrolled to this training with, was like committed regular students at the studio. (laughs) I was not. I didn't know anyone, and they all kind of knew each other, and they were regulars at the studio. So that was interesting for me because I didn't realize that I would kind of feel like the outsider at first. But yeah, I dove in. I applied. I paid the money. I made it happen, and it was one of the best decisions I've ever made in my entire life. I documented the whole training, again, over on my blog. I wrote about every single weekend and what I went through and experienced. I'll link to those in the show notes if you want to look into those, but basically I'll just summarize for you real quick, because I reread those blogs earlier to, you know, take a stroll down memory lane and remember the beginning of my yoga journey. So on... Weekend one, after the first weekend of teacher training, I wrote, I feel this process is sacred to myself and the group, and it's actually quite hard to explain. If you're not physically, mentally, and emotionally experiencing experiencing the training for yourself. So I will leave you with some thoughts from weekend one. And then I wrote about some things from weekend one. But, you know, immediately into this, I knew that it was going to be hard to explain. And it's still hard to explain because it was... I don't want to say it was magical, but it was magical. Like, there aren't really words to explain the experience that I had in my teacher training. Although I wrote eight blog posts full of words about it. Um, Yeah, it's hard to verbally express. So then on weekend eight, I wrote this, or after weekend eight, I should say, which was the last weekend. I wrote, I can't speak of other 200-hour trainings, but 502 Power Yoga's teacher training is transformational work in practice and self. Work like you'd never believe. You will sweat your ass off. You will be so sore it hurts to move. You will dump out the shit inside of you, like the dark, deep, underlying issues you never knew were there or were too stubborn to face. You will cry a lot. Even non-criers will cry. You will feel and want to run. You will experience the beginning of a breakthrough and then feel stuck, lost, and so effing confused, you will have to face all of the layers that others and you have placed on yourself to be who you're supposed to be, only to realize you are gold underneath all of those lies and fears and doubts and stories 
and shame and guilt. You are gold. Holy shit. It's mind-blowing, really. So, (laughs) that makes me want to cry because, yeah, like, anyway, you can go read the other blogs. Um, My 200-hour teacher training provided me with a container in which I could truly begin to step into myself, like me to the core, myself, which I hadn't met yet, or maybe I hadn't met since I was a child. And it, it didn't change me. I changed me through it. So you don't just show up for one of these experiences and someone waves a magic wand and you're changed. It takes a lot of really deep personal work to get that change if you want it. So the people I was with impacted me one trillion percent. I still love every single one of them dearly. They loved me and witnessed me through this process. And yeah, like I said, it's one of the most important things I ever did for myself. Upon graduation of officially becoming a yoga teacher, I kept looking at this historic home across the street from my house. So I was living in this beautiful old neighborhood in Louisville, and there is this home with a huge concrete porch on the front of it. And I think, you know, at the time I was like, oh, I think they host some weddings there. I don't really know what that house is for, but it's beautiful. So I got up the guts to email them and say, hey, I would love to teach yoga classes here. Is that possible? Like, I don't know if you all would let that happen, but I want to create this space in the community. Fortunately, they were all completely on board, welcomed me with open arms, and let me host my bi-weekly yoga classes there for a couple of years. So I'm grateful for them. I'm grateful that I had the vision of where I wanted to teach and I went for it instead of just diving into a studio where I had to fit a certain structure or do anything that didn't feel true to me. So I had a really special opportunity to teach my way right out of the gate. Eventually, I got I got a little burnt out, probably, from teaching. I was just showing up and teaching and showing up and teaching, and I was kind of losing my practice and all of it, so I decided to stop teaching for now, which was then, but is still now. I still haven't really started teaching again. Instead, I started creating online courses and resources that anyone could have access to that didn't require me to be anywhere at any certain time to teach. And this was really freeing for me because... I had quit my 9-to-5 job, I was working for myself, and I just wanted to be able to give something to the world that didn't, that didn't have limits based on my geographic location. So I started creating online resources, and they still exist. Actually, whenever I was kind of doing my pre-planning for this episode, I stumbled upon some really great things that I've made related to yoga over the past few years that I'm going to share with you in the show notes I completely forgot about some free challenges that I've created and ebooks and workbooks and videos. <laughs> it's so funny how we put so much effort, or we, it's so funny how I put so much effort into the things that I make and somehow forget that they exist. What? <laughs> like, they're really good resources. So I'll share those with you. Through this whole journey, I learned more about myself and my movement desires. And I stopped calling what I did yoga and just started moving. And this wasn't me trying to like be too cool for yoga. It's that I learned that there's so much more to moving and being than yoga. 
like the movement box or not, but it's not even a box. The movement realm is so limitless in our human capacity. And I, I felt very restricted by yoga. So I kind of gave up the yoga title and I started shifting toward, I just move. I just get on my mat and move. And that's likely what you see on the internet now from me. If, and when I do post a yoga video, I also have a little secret about my yoga, (laughs) about my yoga videos. I can't believe I'm telling you all this. Um, if you <laughs> if you play the sound on my videos, I always use one song by, by a guy called That One Guy, and it's Laser Beans. I think this song is the funniest song. I think this guy is extremely talented, and Chandler and I discovered him in a teeny tiny town in West Virginia when we were traveling once. So it's kind of my joke that I always put this song over my videos now. Because who really cares about the music over your video and the editing and all the crap that goes into content creation? I just think it's funny. And I don't think anyone has ever noticed that I do that. So if you're listening, now you know my secret. That is not a secret anymore. (laughs) Oh, yep. So my yoga song is that one guy, Laser Beans. So like I said, now I roll out my mat when it calls to me, it's not because I feel obligated like I used to. I used to, which with a lot of things, I used to be very rigid with my checklist and my to-do list and making sure I do everything for X amount of time every single day. And you'll probably sense that trend on every episode when I talk about my previous habits. Yeah, since, you know, removing yoga exclusively from my, my everyday habits... I've created more of just a movement practice and a movement habit. So I've tried out a yoga studio in Seattle that I really like, and it really resonates with me, but it, thankfully now it doesn't feel like this, this pressure to show up and to go and to be there five days a week, which I've never done at any studio. So I don't know why that internally feels like a thing for me when it's never actually been reality. <laughs> but yeah, so I just move. But I also love my yoga practice and my approach to yoga. Here's something that I wrote probably a year, year and a half ago that I feel still encapsulates my journey and how I feel about movement and food and everything that I've discussed so far here. For years I obsessed with body weight and workouts. I used to wake up every morning at 5 a.m., and spend two hours at the gym before work Monday through Friday. I did 10 whole 30s over the course of four years. I completely changed my eating habits, yet nothing happened. Through all of my work, I still felt not completely me. I developed irrational non-negotiables for cheese and bread, but instead I ate endless amounts of Laura bars and paleo desserts. I took many progress pics over the years so I could see all of the hard work pay off. Surely it would all be worth it once I looked better. But I didn't enjoy working out at all. Whole30 was making me sort of crazy. I felt restricted, not free. My own choices felt hard, not easy. So I stopped working out. I quit my job, left the life I knew. 
I stopped freaking out about bread and cheese and beer and beans. I stopped obsessing over the rules of Whole30 and how many squats would lift my ass an inch higher. I stopped so I could start living my life. Earlier this year, I stepped on the scale out of curiosity, and I saw a number I haven't seen in probably 10 years. I was kind of in disbelief, so gave it a redo. Same number, same me. I didn't feel like I'd accomplished anything because I wasn't trying to. I've just been living a life that feels good, and this body of mine followed suit. The only change I've made is my relationship to myself. Asking, what do I want? How do I want to feel? Am I full? Do I feel the need to move? To sweat? What do I need right now to feel good? I eat in the moment now. I'm not worried about my food choices for the next 30 days. I'm just interested in now. This is my story and only a short part of it. My experience is mine and we are all different, but I do believe one thing to be true for all of us. Working on relationship to self will do more for you than working out, eating Whole30, or reading any damn book. What's your relationship with yourself like? How might you treat yourself like someone you love? Okay, so I could talk all day about the external yoga world and the yoga industry that has a lot of really confusing messages and are ultimately marketing messages that are working to get your money. So I don't, I don't want to rant or get too far down that rabbit hole of the dark side of yoga because there's a lot of it out there and like any industry and any wellness trend, trend, yoga is not a trend necessarily, it's been around for thousands of years, but something with the internet has made it quite trendy to just look beautiful in a pose, but not show full picture, and it's very confusing to know who is authentic and who is not. So anyway, that's not relevant to the subject. There are a lot of varying opinions, and there are a lot of different people in the world going through their own journeys. So, not my place to dive into that as much. But I will say, my piece of advice in regard to the external yoga world and the wellness industry as a whole is put your bullshit glasses on and know how to spot really problematic headlines and articles, people, and stuff that doesn't make you feel good. So this goes for the weird articles that say, target back pain with these three stretches and the three no-nos for stretching your hamstrings or how to train your posture. This is crap, you guys. (laughs) Like These headlines are such crap and it's so annoying. Um, You don't need three stretches for back pain. You can actually just lay on the floor. So keep your eyes out for crap headlines that are clickbait. Um, Keep your eyes peeled for people who appear to be genuine on the internet, and they are not because they are living behind their Instagram facade. There's a lot of that out there, and I've had my heart broken from it. So it's real, and 
it's confusing to notice at first, but if someone makes you feel bad about yourself or you start comparing yourself to someone, you have the power and the choice to click unfollow, period. You can, you can put that barrier up and you don't have to take that stuff in if it doesn't make you feel good. Now, it'd be interesting to sit down with yourself and ask, why am I comparing? Why do I think this person is evil or bad or has it better than me? So it always has to do with you, but you don't have to keep throwing triggers at yourself if they're making you feel like crap. So notice your triggers, but don't keep consuming them if they're problematic for you. And there's a whole problem with workout clothes, which, ugh. I have some really cute yoga outfits, you guys. I, I love matching outfits. I don't know what it is. If everything matches, like the top and the bottom are the same print, I love it. <laughs> but that's not to say you need cute matchy clothes in order to move your body or do yoga or work out or be comfortable even. <laughs> There's like the whole athleisure trend, which is comfortable. But I will say that there are some really big brands not doing really great work in the world. So in regard to the yoga industry, just pay attention to where you're buying stuff from and who you're buying stuff from to ensure that you're not giving money to the bullshit that keeps perpetuating and making people feel bad about themselves. And that is your own personal stance. I cannot tell you where to stand on that stuff, but there's a lot of mass-produced crappy clothing that you could buy, or there's some really high-quality recycled stuff you could buy. So if that matters to you, I think it should. Honestly, do your research and just make sure that you are actively and consciously engaging with the yoga industry, the wellness industry, with a stance and a choice and your dollars. So that's all I'll say about that. But basically through all of this, you know, I said I did yoga. I stopped calling it yoga. I move around. I do this. I do that. And I got some questions online whenever I said that this episode would be about movement. So I want to answer those and then also tell you all just some funny revelations that I've had on my journey. So that thing that I wrote a couple minutes ago that I read to you that said I got on the scale and the number was a number I haven't seen in a long time. That was right after. Hmm, that was two months after I quit my 9 to 5. That was very high stress and that I wasn't treating myself well through my day-to-day habits in that job. So I quit that job. I started working for myself. And I started sleeping a lot more. Like, not a lot more, like eight hours of sleep a night, you guys. That's revolutionary for past Haley. So I started sleeping more. I didn't really change my eating habits. It was winter. And I lost almost 10 pounds of, like, whatever... I was holding on to physically, I had finally released and just came into myself. So I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't dieting or exercising or working for my body composition to change. And it did because I had physically let go of all of the things that were like held inside of me. So (laughs) sleep is always the solution, by the way. That's not like a fad or a self-care whatever like 
sleep is the most important thing, period. So sleeping more and leaving an environment that wasn't good for me were the only two things I changed in my life, and I've never felt better since, and that was two years ago. So there's that, to yoga or not to yoga. Does it matter if you're in a healthy environment and you're sleeping well and you're eating well and you're having a nice life? No. You can yoga or not yoga, but there's got to be some balance in your your environment and your relationships and yourself. So that's my <laughs> that's my answer to the podcast title. Some things to consider when you're thinking about your movement habits and where you might move more, do more, or just start to kind of experiment with yourself. I would start by asking, how often do you walk? So when I was living in Louisville, I didn't walk as much because it's not a very walkable city. And I love Louisville, but since living in Seattle, I go for walks every day. And being in nature, seeing all of the surprising changes in the plants and different animals and what new storefront has changed or whatever is so stimulating and refreshing. Like I get out and just kind of experience the world for 30 minutes to an hour or whatever it is. Um, So I walk every day now and I am so grateful to be able to do that. Another question I'd ask is how often do you sit on the floor? Like, honestly, we mostly floor sit because it's the way we've built our home and the way we choose to live, but I believe it's helped me physically a lot, and I know many people who have been greatly helped from floor sitting, so I'm not the floor sitting expert. I think Chandler is, but um, maybe I can get him to share a resource with us or something, but yeah, just sitting on the floor more gets your body in a position where you can move more without knowing instead of just being plopped in a chair or on the couch like a blob. So, um, and then, you know, the third thing I'd ask myself is how do I feel when I wake up and how do I feel when I go to bed? So these are two good benchmarks for your day (laughs) and the sleep that you had. So maybe just put those three questions in your journal or post it them somewhere where you see them and consider them more often. Walking, floor sitting, sleep habits, and your feelings around your day. So how do you feel? Okay, some questions that I got from the internet are, and this is the most commonly asked question that I get in regard to my yoga practice, is do you practice a set flow or sequence, or do you just do what your body needs? How did you develop a habit to flow? Did you just start doing it on your own? So I'm trying to remember, but like I said, I started with the yoga DVDs, and that was hilarious. Um, I took a few yoga classes over the course of a few years. Like I didn't really go to yoga classes much, but I just kept coming to my mat and moving and I had no idea what I was doing. None, but I just kept moving and I kept remembering what I had done in a yoga class and building on it and trying to like work through it. So a lot of times I would just sit in a pose for a while and be like, what do I do now? What? And like give up or walk away or whatever. Because I I would get stuck and I didn't really know. But eventually I came to a place where I just turned music on and just started moving. And I would fall over and I would land on my face and 
it wasn't all pretty, you guys. <laughs> like, it's not all flowy and perfect or whatever your idea of my flows are. It was just me playing, and I shared a clip of that. So I think there's something really freeing about just trusting your body and going wherever you go. And it's not always going to be pretty, and it, sometimes it's gorgeous. Like, sometimes I, I move and I'm wondering, like, who, who's this moving around here? Like, this is wild. Um, so just allow yourself to move and, like, find a space where you can feel comfortable in the time to just let go and see what happens. But the answer is no. I didn't have any sort of teaching or person who helped me do this. I just started doing it. I guess another point is... Time like sitting your phone up in front of you on time lapse and like time lapsing your practice is a really interesting way to see yourself move and the way you do transitions and the way you might try something differently. So that is one thing that I did do was I recorded a lot of my practices and I watched myself. So I would watch one thing that I was doing and think, oh, next time I want to try this instead. And it kind of was like a dance and a dance review type of thing where I just kept playing and watching what I did. And I, some of the yoga rooms I've had, I've had a corner mirror in. So having a mirror as well is kind of nice to like see where you are and see what you're doing and see a point in the room that you can't quite see where you are. So that's just my free flow style though. In a class, I show up, I do the stuff, I opt out of some poses, and I'm just there. So <laughs> that's my free flows are like my creative outlet for movement. And that's why sometimes I call them yoga, sometimes I don't, because I'm not following any set plan. I'm just kind of moving. And it depends on the music you're listening to, honestly. So I also get the question slash comment of, I'm not flexible enough. I can't do yoga. There's no way I can touch my toes. And to that I say... You'll never be able to, or you'll never know if you can if you don't try. And you don't have to be whatever your idea of flexible is in order to move your body and meet yourself exactly where you are. And that's exactly what this is. This entire practice, from my perspective, is meeting yourself wherever you are. Like, if you just decide to lay on your mat for an hour, good. That's likely what you needed, and you know it. So you don't have to force yourself to become flexible or ever achieve any certain pose. You can just start. But you have to want to start. And you have to stick with it. And you have to deal with the highs and lows and the frustrations of not understanding it at first and then coming into your own expression of it. I've also heard people say, I can't afford yoga. And there are two issues here. Globally, there's an issue with the yoga industry, right? So it's an industry. It's probably some billion dollar something industry. Who knows? A lot of people can't afford it, actually. A lot of people don't even feel welcome in a space that offers yoga. So there's a huge issue with the affordability and with the access in which people can do yoga. Now, I think with that... The internet is a wild, <laughs> wild place. You can find anything on the internet, including free yoga videos. 
Um, so if, you're, if your town doesn't have, like, a donation-based class, which a lot of cities do, just Google yoga video or whatever you're looking for. And YouTube is literally overflowing with all of the free content. Like, all of it. You'll never do every free yoga video on the internet. So, um, the affordability is really, really tough. And you just have to get creative if you really want to start trying and practicing. If you can't afford a membership, you can still do yoga. And like I said, you don't have to buy $100 yoga pants to do yoga. Wear whatever you have at home. You can attend a donation-based class or a free class, community class, and just show up exactly as you are. Most classes like that usually have um, mats as well, so yoga mats that you can use. You don't even have to go buy your own mat most of the time, which is really incredible. There are some beautiful, beautiful people out there doing amazing work to help the masses have access to this practice. But that segues me into, and this is, you know, I do have products and I do have a business, so this is kind of funny, but um, I do have a lot of yoga resources on my website. I have a free yoga challenge. I have free yoga videos within my free resources that you can do forever if you want. If you honestly can't find the yoga video you're looking for online and you want me to record one for you, please just email me and say, Haley, I want a yoga video about blank. And I will, I'll create you something. (laughs) I can't imagine I can read your mind and know what you exactly want, but I'm here to help you. And you know, I think recording videos are fun. So if I can create a free resource for you that doesn't exist, you are more than welcome to let me know. So like I said, free training, free videos. I also have yoga products. So I have a yoga ebook and pose library video. And these two things, the video and the ebook, are every, it's like 62 poses broken down with like cue by cue instructions, tells you exactly how to get into the pose, how to get out of the pose, uh, benefits of the poses. So those exist on my website. They do come at a cost. So if you want them, um, I've created a discount code for you that's just podcast. And you can go to my website and get any of my yoga products for 25% off. I also have a six-week yoga basics online training that basically takes you through every pose and some different flows over the course of six weeks. And it has a really nice inquiry book that comes with it. It's an ebook. You would have to print it on your own. But um, that is one of the big projects that I created that I still really love. And, you know, it's down to earth. It's not... It's not created in a recording studio or some beautiful white background with plants everywhere type of setting. It was in my old house, and I made it. And I made it for the people who want it. So if it's something that you do want, the 25% off coupon will work for that as well. But yeah, in addition, I will link to all of my free resources, all of the blog posts I've mentioned. I will give you everything that I have. And if there is something that you want or you have a question for me, please just email me, head over to my website, whatever you want to do to contact me. I will reply to you. I promise. I'm a human being just here with you. So if you have questions or ideas or want something more that I haven't created and that you can't find online, just let me know. And I think that is all that I have for today. 
So it was a little bit longer than the last one. I get that. Um, my yoga journey is a long story, and it's it's near and dear to my heart, and it's a big part of me. So I hope this is helpful. I hope you took some things from it that can help you continue wherever you are, and I will see you next week.